Season 1, Episode 18. On this episode, I will be walking us through civic and social ability and share why young people need this developmental outcome. So let's go ahead and get started. Have you ever felt that we are losing young people to the world around them and that they have already chosen to walk away from Jesus without even knowing him? And did you know that all young people are at risk for something? That's why I want to welcome you to the Jesus is my hashtag podcast, where positive youth development and youth ministry intersect. I'm your host, Deb Schroeder. Join me weekly for encouragement, resources, and strategies to assist you in helping young people make Jesus their hashtag. Thanks for joining me today. During the past 17 episodes, I have been talking about youth development, what it is and what it means to our young people, what it means to you and I as we work with those young people. And I've talked about five different key assumptions that people often make about our youth. And I've shared 10 developmental outcomes so far. Well, we find ourselves back at our youth development construction site again today. We are going to be looking at civic and social ability. At quick glance, you might think that these are two very different things, but I'm going to show you how they do connect and relate. But first, let's define this outcome. The Advancing Youth Development Curriculum defines civic and social ability as the ability and motivation to work collaboratively with others for the larger good and to sustain caring friendships and relationships with others. That definition seems broad to me and really needs more detail so that we can understand fully what specifically young people need to develop in order to transition into adulthood. Let's start by looking at the word civic. It can be defined as relating to the duties or activities of people in relation to their town, city, or local area. When I think back to my own teen years, we discussed civics as a part of social studies or history curriculums. We were looking at what responsibilities we had as a people in a community. More simply, we were looking at how we could come together and make our community stronger and better. For some people, the word civic is connected to politics and becoming engaged in social justice issues and reform. While young people do need to understand how government works and the role of politics in our communities, I often see young people attaching to a political idea, a political party, or a social justice idea without fully understanding what it means or fully knowing who they are. I'm not saying that young people shouldn't be involved. What I am saying is that we need to remember that youth are in a stage of development and figuring out how the world around them works and their role in that. They are at a greater risk of being swayed or manipulated in their beliefs and actions. And as caring adults, we need to remember that as we're helping to build civic ability, we need to make sure that we're keeping young people focused on who they are and growing that and figuring out how they relate to their communities. So how does this tie to our developmental outcome? For me, this outcome isn't political, or at least the basic foundation of civic ability that young people need to build upon is not political. It is more a basic understanding of one's community and their role in it. Young people need to develop the ability to see the needs of a community, work together to help meet those needs, and to put the needs of others before their own. Once they have started to develop the foundation of civic ability in this way, it's then that we can add more political ideas and social justice information. They will be able to make choices about engagement and beliefs 
that are grounded in their own development and identity. I believe young people are undervalued in this area of civic ability. Oftentimes, people assume youth only worry about themselves or that they don't really have much to offer, but I see it differently. If you want to know how to engage young people, go ask them. If you want to know what people their age need, go ask them. If you want to know what they want from their community, go ask them. We as adults can easily fail to do one of the simplest things that actually engages young people in their own development. We forget to invite them into the process, and we forget to encourage them to lead their own process. As a teenager, I began volunteering at an early age. It left an impact on me and actually made me want to do more for my community, more for other people. The more I volunteered, the more I looked outward, and the less I looked at my own needs. And while that was happening, I was also growing closer in my relationship with Jesus because I had begun to understand what serving and loving others truly meant. How do you as a youth worker, as a caring adult, or even as a parent engage your young people in developing civic ability? First, we help them define their community. There was a book that I read to my children when they were littler called Me on the Map, and it looked at the smallest thing, this young child in a room. This was me, me on the map. And from there, they looked out to their room, to their house. It included their family, to their neighborhood, to their community, their city, their state, their country. And that's the same exact thing that we do for young people. We help them to figure out who they are and where they fit into their community and exactly what their community includes. Then we encourage them to look at what is happening in their community. How are young people being treated? How are people's needs being met? Who's alone? Who needs to be connected to resources or services or opportunities? As you start to assess what is happening in their community, I want to encourage you to have honest conversations about what they see and what they experience. It's not always comfortable, the things that we hear, but when we have those conversations, we are helping them to figure out what they want. We are helping them to identify who they are and what their needs are. And when we do that, when we're open and we're honest with young people, it helps to validate their feelings and it helps them to feel more connected to us. Secondly, as we do all of these things, we need to help them figure out one way, one small step that they can serve or help someone else in their community. We need to create opportunities to serve or to volunteer. Or if we're not creating those opportunities, we need to connect them to other places where they can serve and where they can help. And as a caring youth worker, we also need to be advocating for young people to be included and involved in their own community in addressing their own problems in their communities and just being valued for having ideas and creativity and wanting to be a part of that community. As we look at young people having the ability and motivation to collaborate, we need to model this for them and we need to create ways that they can do that. For example, are you having a group movie night? We'll let the youth plan it all the way down to having to decide what to watch and what to offer for food. Or are you planning a trip as a family? Have your teen help be a part of that planning versus just showing up. In order for teens to learn what collaboration is, they also need to learn what compromise is. They need to learn to accept that they have to be flexible in working with others. Youth need to understand that collaboration means sharing ideas and coming up with what meets the needs of everyone not just one person. And sometimes they need to accept that their idea is going to be changed or morphed or maybe not even used, and that's okay. 
We don't want that to be what stops them from being engaged. But if they can learn what compromise is, then they will see that they still have a role at the table, even if their ideas are not always used. And when young people learn to collaborate, it's amazing how it can prompt them to continue to work together with people. And it also helps to build friendships and relationships. That ties us to our second part of this developmental outcome, social ability. Now, when I talk about social ability, I'm not referring to the person that can walk around the room and talk with everyone and walk out being friends with every single person by the time they leave. I am talking about basic social skills that all young people need to develop. These things include making eye contact with others, respecting personal space, having conversations that include both listening and asking questions, and showing genuine interest in someone, as well as respecting oneself and others. When we are talking about sustaining caring friendships in relationships, it has to start with being willing to be seen and to see others. And we do this by making eye contact. Young people are developing a terrible habit of not looking up because they are so often looking down at their phones. I can only imagine how much they miss that is going on around them, especially the people that pass them by when they are glued to their phones. As a parent, I know I battle this. As a substitute teacher, I battled that as well. And as a youth leader, I battled this too. Our young people have become so conditioned to having their phones attached to their hands and being constantly connected to that, that when we try to get them to look up, it has become a greater challenge. One of my favorite exercises I did when I worked at the Job Corps Center and taught independent living skills was to have the kids pair up and have to look at each other for 20 seconds in the eyes without saying a word. Honestly, the young people struggled with this. It was uncomfortable and not something that they could do on a regular basis or even do that one time. So we had to back up and start with five seconds and keep working our way up. Sometimes for young people to grow a specific skill, it has to be uncomfortable, and they have to practice that skill in a safe place. And if you engage young people in practicing this skill, after they have been able to look at each other, look at a peer in the eyes, have them practice that with you as an adult, because that adds another layer of challenge or uncomfort for them. One thing that I am notorious for, just ask my husband and children, is that when I am trying to talk with them, I often will stop what I am saying and wait for them to re-engage and make eye contact. Oh, they find this annoying. But to me, it is a part of building a relationship and being fully present when you make eye contact. Respecting personal space is another part of developing social ability. Have you ever been somewhere and someone comes up and invades your personal space? They stand a little too close to you. They reach out and touch your arm or they pull their chair right up next to yours to where your bodies are almost touching. Youth need to develop the skill of knowing what is appropriate personal space. And then they need to learn how to read cues when they have crossed that space so that they can step back or pull back. And when somebody has not respected their own personal space, young people also need to have skills to know how to address that in an appropriate way. When I worked in corrections, there was one young man who had no sense of personal space at all. He got right up in your face to talk to you. He would be so close that I would tell you my own hand wouldn't fit between our faces. I would always have to say freeze. He would stop what he was doing and I would have to remind him that he was too close and he was invading my personal space. Honestly, it was a skill that he needed to develop. 
And that meant that my role as a youth worker was going to be continually helping him to realize what personal space was and how not to invade it. As a youth worker, you model this by pointing out when your space is not being respected. But we also need to make sure we are respecting the space of our young people as well. For example, I am a hugger. I don't know why, but it has always been a part of who I am. With all the different groups of young people that I've worked with, I have learned that what someone considers personal space often depends on how they were raised, any personal traumas they faced, and how safe they feel with you as a youth worker. A good rule that I've adopted is to always ask if it is okay to hug a young person before I do so. And it's always a side hug that only lasts a quick second. Now, you may have your own opinions about this, your own rules that you follow where you work, and you need to honor those things. I am not suggesting that we all need to be huggers. For me, having worked with some of the populations that have been discarded or thrown away and have been starved for physical affection, particularly from a maternal figure, I know the impact a quick one-second side hug can hold. For whatever reason, God has embedded this natural instinct towards physical touch in me. It's a part of who I am, and it always plays a part in my ministry. Developing social ability also means that youth need to be able to have a conversation that includes both listening and asking questions. This ties directly into showing genuine interest in someone. When we are building friendships and relationships, it cannot just be about us. We have to want to know about other people as well. We have to listen to hear what another person is saying, and we need to ask questions to get to know more about that person. When we do this, we are laying a foundation for growing a friendship or a relationship. And whether we are growing a relationship with a peer, with a caring adult, with a mentor, with a boss, it doesn't matter. Engaging in conversations that include listening, asking questions, and showing a genuine interest in the other person helps to build authentic relationships. Youth need to see us model this when we connect with them. A great activity to encourage this or practice this in a group setting is to ask young people to find out two things about someone in your group. That requires them to ask questions, to listen, and to remember something about someone else. If you want to make it even more challenging, you can then have young people report that out to the larger group what they learned about that person. Finally, a critical part of developing social ability is respecting oneself and others. I always tell young people that they have to like themselves before someone else can, and it's the same thing with respect. Young people need to respect themselves. They show this self-respect by standing up for themselves, not allowing others to treat them poorly, and believing that what they have to say really does matter. Honestly, for some young people, this is hard to do these things. As a youth worker, we need to encourage young people. The more we build them up and speak truth about who we see them as, the more likely they will be to believe it. And when their self-worth increases in this way, they develop a greater ability to respect themselves. And young people also need to respect others. They need to respect their peers, their parents, authority figures. We need to help young people understand that respecting others means treating them kindly and listening to them whether we want to or not. Youth don't always realize that respecting someone does not mean that they're taking away our power or that we're less than that other person. It means we are willing to treat them in a way that honors who they are, and we can also still honor our own selves in that moment. 
Respect is such an important thing for young people that I am going to dedicate an entire episode later this summer talking about what respect looks like and why it is so important to our young people. In fact, I'm going to share some of my own experiences having worked in corrections and what respect looked like for those young men. As young people develop civic and social ability, they will be able to not only have genuine relationships, but they will be able to become active, engaged members of their communities. They will be able to identify needs in a community and figure out ways that they can be a part in helping to meet those needs. After all, young people are always going to be a part of a community. Just think how much better that can be for them if they have built this developmental outcome. That wraps up what I want to share today about civic and social ability. We've been doing a lot of building at this youth development construction site, but it's time to put civic and social ability back in our toolbox. I hope you'll join me next week as I walk us through our last developmental outcome, cultural ability. Hey there, fellow youth workers. Thanks for tuning in today. Remember what Matthew 9.37 tells us, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. In other words, keep showing up and keep caring.